Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of uh, What's Happening in Travel. I am Kerwin and I'm here with my buddy. For sure. And um, to, as usual, we have a ton of stuff to talk about. So um, hang out with us for a little bit uh, as we get to them. This is episode 62. And On the 16th um, of January. Uh, yes, January 16th. Um, so what is your background, Kishore? What do you got? This is an Air Canada 777-300ER landing. I just felt like the contrast of all the birds. I'm sure they weren't that close to the plane <laughs> while it was landing, but it just uh, it was an interesting perspective. I know it's crazy. Yeah. Um, when I worked at um, I worked at Washington National. Uh, it wasn't called. Um, what's the current name for it now? They call it Reagan National. Right. So it wasn't Reagan National yet. It was Washington mm. National. National, yeah. Yeah. I still it, call it National only. Yeah, it was Washington National. It was, didn't have the name change. And this is when it only had the little, um, that the airport was really just the old hangars at the other end of the airport uh, before they built a new tower and all that. Mm. And um, they had, uh, they'd, ha- they'd have cannons that would go off at the end of the runway okay. to clear all the birds uh, at the time. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, there was a lot of birds that hung out there. I think it's because for some reason, the, most of the, these airports are built next to the water. <laughs> and uh, for, for, for the noise, right? Because it, it, it dissipates the noise. But um, the birds are like, well, this is my space. <laughs> and so they all end up staying there. I'm actually watching, um... A very, I have a very interesting show on Smithsonian Channel called Ice Airport Alaska on uh-huh. Anchorage, Ted Stevens. Okay. And it's really very interesting. Yeah, that's a fun airport. I mean, yeah, that's a yeah, really fun airport. Uh, before I, we get too sidetracked. I'm even shocked how that airport operates in the wintertime. Yeah, I'm pretty sure actually they focus on that. Yeah, I mean, because it's... Remarkable. It's, it's Remarkable. cool. But, but, you know, the... Um, the the seaport, which is right across from the airport, um, is closed in the wintertime uh, because the the water, the lake frozen. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe cold. it becomes a runway though. Um, that lake. Well, it lake, could uh, if, if it could if needed, but because uh, it's frozen, it's frozen all the way through. Yeah. And I would think that the seaplanes would still operate with skis, but they don't. Um, yeah. No, they actually talk about that. You should watch it okay, on Smithsonian okay, Channel. That sounds good because I've been to that 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 seaplane base, and I'm like, oh, you have? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I uh, I did a, a Facebook live with it a few years ago. Okay. It's cold, Kushov. It is cold. Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> I have to I have to dig up some pictures. It is. But really I think cold. they do such an amazing job, and they get so little credit for it. The way they keep the runways clean and all that sort of thing. It's funny because we take it so for granted. We do, we do. Um, well, the <coughs> photo I have is, I don't have to move to the side. I always seem to get these photos where I'm sitting right in front of the image. It's just really bizarre. I guess I have to, I go, oh, I guess if I do that, then I miss a little floating head. Um, this was in uh, Windhoek in Namibia, and it's a uh, seven wow. uh, taking off um, from the Windhoek airport. And I was mm. like these photos with the light shining out of the clouds. 
So what have we got? Um, let's see. So many cool stuff going on in the aviation industry. All right. So this is one of my pet peeves about flying. Um, and I'm so glad that we have, I guess, mandates that's kind of somehow controlling it. So this is all about um, uh, <laughs> people flying with their, with, with their pets and saying that they're, um, they're comfort animals so they can pay nothing for it um, on planes. And the DOT has clamped down on that and the airlines have changed. So um, a lot of the airlines are realigning their policies and stuff. So Kusha, give us an update on what's going on with that. Who's doing So that? this has been a huge complaint apparently among uh, flight attendant unions in the US They've complained for well over a year to the U.S. Department of Transportation that this was this right of uh, people, of passengers to bring aboard all sorts of animals and classify them as comfort uh, animals has been abused. So finally, the Department of Transportation took action in December. And now in January, almost all airlines in the US, except the Southwest, have announced that effective almost immediately, uh, it, the policy was to take effect January 11th. Yeah. Um, there are very strict requirement rules for passengers to come aboard with service animals. Passenger has to have a disability. They have to have a certificate that the animal has been trained to act accordingly. And they've essentially clamped down on the abuse that was clearly going on. So yeah. uh, I just thought it was interesting that it took so long for the DOT, the Department of Transportation, to act. But um, they finally class made very strict definitions from what constitutes and what does not serve this animal. Um, so therapy dogs, as these service animals are, mm -hmm. do not count. And um, you have to actually pay, starting at about 125 US dollars per flight uh, for pets in the cargo hold or in um, carriers under the seat in the main cabin. Right. So <laughs> uh -oh. um, I just thought this was interesting. And this is very a US-centric rule. So most people overseas will probably wonder what the heck they're talking about. <laughs> but um, this was a big issue yeah, on this is a, uh, US it, flights. It, it, it pets messing up the cabin and causing biting and barking and all that. Yeah, and people, so, I mean, and, and I've seen it um, in all, all kinds of different ways. I've had a girl, she's on the phone in an IAH, uh, which is uh, my local airport, who's an intercontinental, she's on the phone and she's chatting, and her dog is peeing uh, <laughs> right in the in the way in the airport. Trained animals don't do that, and the dog's peeing, and the the the, um, the agent goes over and go, "Well, she's got to clean that up because um, that is her fault. She needs to one. She needs to keep that dog in a cage." Because she didn't care, and she just was walking around, and um, and she's on on the phone with with her friends. Another one, I'm on the plane, I'm on the flight, and the guy next to me, I hear him. Um, there's three of us in a row. This was back when um, 
pre-COVID. They're swimming, sitting in a row. And he's telling the guy that um, he didn't pay for the dog uh, because uh, and, and it's not a comfort. He goes, I'm going to see my mom and my mom wanted to see the dog. And so um, I'm taking the dog with me, but I told him it was a comfort animal, so I wouldn't pay for it. So um, people do it all the time. And the thing about bringing an animal on board is I think people are, people don't, they don't think about the next passenger because there are people no. who just can't deal with, their, deal with that. And I know when you have a disability, it's a different, it's a different case. A different issue. People could be afraid of dogs or whatever. Exactly. And some of these dogs are huge. Yeah. And it's like, um, really? Yeah, so uh, I think, I think this is what happens when you have a rule and people bend abuse the it. rule and abuse the rule and then you lose it. Uh, it it's the same issue with, uh, with COVID-19 now because a lot of these countries, they put a little rule in and people flaunt it and bend it. And now guess what? You need to get a, you need to get a, a COVID test before you come back to the U.S. And so, so there you have it. Because just people just wouldn't listen. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. It's ridiculous. All right, Duncan, Duncan, Duncan. So this is one of my pet peeves about about um, people <laughs> traveling. And this has been all over the press. This article was, is in the Associated Press online. Yep. So. And then added to that is the is the medical professionals who write letters that says that these people need these animals to travel with. That is ridiculous. They should mm. find all those people who did that and they should find them. They, and disbar they, them, actually. Is, is send a, a strong message. AMA is what it's called. Should find them all. And yes, uh, you know, say so you shouldn't oh. be doing stuff like that. Why? Because somebody paid you or you could charge an insurance company some money for that. Oh. I'm not making any friends with this first one, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm very surprised Southwest has said they will make a decision later, whatever that means. Because, you know, well, well the, I think the people who, uh, Southwest, they probably don't have the problem that the other airlines have. They probably have a very small number of people um, who fly Southwest, yeah. um, who bring quote unquote comfort animals on. So that's probably why they're like, well, it's not really a big issue uh, because that, you know, the funny thing about airlines, that's something that we don't, we never, we never know these numbers because they don't publish those numbers, mm -hmm. I think, right? Like how many animals they bring and stuff like that. And I don't think you've ever heard of an issue on Southwest Airlines. <laughs> you've heard of it on the other airlines, um, but, not, but never, I, the Southwest people are a little more well-behaved than the quote-unquote great passengers. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I really don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I but, yeah, um, but obviously, um, they don't. If they had a big issue, they would have come out and yeah, done. I agree already. Just like the other ones, uh, so, you know, Southwest. They're, they're always trying to be. Oh, we're the cool airline. So yeah, whatever. Um, all right. So Delta is spending more money again. Um, and I mean, global clean. It's it's kind of weird that the name they call it the global cleanliness division. Did you even uh, know that such a thing existed? No. The 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 problem with all this, Krisha, is like, so you never clean the planes before. I love Delta, but really, 
and and this is probably a division that they had before, right? But now it's just coming to light because of that. My no, it, it was established in, uh, I believe it was in June, 2020. It's, it's, this was from the Delta Press, uh, the news hub on the I website. know, it's just like, why didn't you have that before? I, I used to work for Delta when I first started. And, and yeah, they're good. I mean, they do clean the planes. But do you need a global cleanliness division? Tell us about it. Apparently you do. <laughs> so their, go, their mission um, is to further innovate and elevate cleanliness standards. No so, um, so what they've done, what, the reason I'm bringing this up is that they are deploying, um, as they call them, clean ambassadors. Um, and they, they're supposed to serve as what they call global cleanliness champions. Okay. The part that really gets me, all this marketing hyperbole. Do people really buy this? No, I think they do. Are these existing employees or are they hiring new people? Existing employees. Oh, okay. Right. It's in fact expected to grow to about 100 employees and uh, they, they're going to, to be deployed to 55 US airports in the spring. Okay. Um, so what they want to do is they want to ensure, as they say, a consistently safe and sanitized experience across Delta facilities and aircraft for employees and customers alike. So uh, what they're going to do is they're going to serve as, this is all Delta quotations, dedicated eyes and ears at Delta airports. They're going to advise passengers and um, employees and airport partners answering questions from customers. And also, as they say, bringing a focus and rigor to cleanliness that will give customers even more confidence in their choice to fly with Delta. But I think this is the one thing that actually makes sense is that they will also oversee a quality assurance program um, because they're working with Mayo Clinic, which is pretty big hospital here in the US right. with Emory University in Georgia, in Atlanta and RB, which is the maker of Lysol, which is the disinfectant uh, that Delta uses all across their system. Right. So they're going to do a regular audit of the cleaning processes um, and their mission will include uh, testing devices to swab um, all surfaces, including the 20 highest touch areas, like the window shades or uh, seat belt latches and uh, the podium counters at airports. Hmm. So, so uh, it, it's almost like, thank you, coronavirus, because really, if we didn't have coronavirus, we wouldn't have all these people who think the airplane's supposed to be clean. Hmm. <laughs> so, oh, Krishna, that's so funky. Uh, and, and I mean, Delta is my first airline, so I totally I love I love Delta, and I'm glad that they're doing this. But my own my 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 whole thing about all this is, why were the planes dirty in the first place again? Like, why didn't you? And it's a hundred people, right? Well, Delta fly to more than a hundred cities, so um, the, and the problem is, well, so, the hundred people in this division. Yeah. Well, the the reason why this whole dirty planes thing started is because the airlines farmed out a lot of the local work 
right? They said they want to save money. And so they got rid of, and this is, this is, these are facts. They got rid of, and all the airlines are guilty of this. They got rid of the local people who they used to hire to work and clean the plane. And they farmed it out to these aviation services who doesn't care because these aviation services company, they are doing it for like four or five different airlines. And all they're doing is um, these people that they hire don't care. They don't care about aviation. To them, it's just a nine to five job or whatever the hours are. And they're getting minimum yeah. wage and they're paying the lowest salary ever possible for these people to clean the airplanes. And so um, when that kind of thing happens, you lose the integrity that you should have. Uh, with and that. consistency also. Exactly. And somebody, yeah. so, and I know at Delta, um, like Delta has standards and I'm sure all the other airlines do. So they have like a little, like um, the, the drinks that are placed in the, in the food thing they're actually in a specific position. Um, they have a little, a little picture and it tells oh. you where to put everything in there. So, um, I mean, you know, I'm pretty sure all the other airlines have something very, very similar. And it tells you how much sugar, you, how much packets of sugar you need to put in, how many limes you need to put in. It's, it's very, very structured. But when you form all that stuff out, people take shortcuts. And then prior to coronavirus, the thing was turn time. So people were rushing to do turns. They would start to clean the planes even before the passengers got off. So a lot of people were, they were trying to cut corners on this. And now they've realized that, well, we shouldn't have, this is stuff that we need to do. So I'm glad that they're doing it. I just hope that they're gonna keep it up. After all this dies down. Is done, yeah. Cause I, I mean, you know, you and I have flown on planes and they're dirty. And, uh, and they just, they, it's even worse when it's dirty and it's the first flight of the day. And you're like, well, the plane sat here all night. Why didn't you clean it? Um, ugh. So I- ignore. Um, sorry. So glad, glad that they're doing that. And all right, WestJet. Uh, oh. Uh, there. They, what are they? Oh, um, oh, 737 Max. Or yes. Is, is, is it, has the name changed or is it? No. Okay. I haven't heard anything more. Uh, Everyone still refers to it as the Max. That's funny. So, in all probability, they will likely be, WestJet, that is, in Canada, will likely be the next airline to reintroduce the 737 Max into their schedules. Actually, it's supposed to start in January. On, on January 21st, but a lot of this depends on the aviation agency in Canada, which is called Transport Canada, mm-hmm. approving the aircraft for return to service. And it's from, what, from what I've read, it hasn't really happened yet, but it better happen soon because the 21st is like next week in a few days. Oh, okay. So what they're going to do is they're only, for the first month, they're only going to operate um, three times a week um, between Calgary and uh, Toronto. It's the 8 a.m. departure from Calgary. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, as I said, it's going to be a max aircraft for the first month for one flight a day in each direction. But given that there are six flights a day between Calgary and Toronto, uh, passengers who don't feel comfortable flying on a max can easily be... Um, 
be protected on other flights. Um, they currently have 13 of this aircraft in their fleet. And to date, it's unclear when Air Canada uh, resumes operations with their 737 MAX yeah. aircraft. Oh, okay. And United starts in a fairly big way in early March. Yeah. So I uh, think we talked about that earlier oh, in the previous yeah. episode. Yeah. And um, I was telling you earlier that I saw on Twitter that United is doing some tests in LA. So they're doing some LA to LA flights. Okay. On the on the max, um, it'll be interesting to see the Canadian response, passenger response to getting on a max. But will we hear about it though? I doubt it. Eh, yeah, you probably you probably see it. Uh, I'm trying to think of who covers. Oh. One of these American guys will go fly WestJet. One of the Point Sky guys will probably go fly WestJet so they can so they can cover mm. it. So we'll see we'll see what they have to say. Yeah. So. Um, what's the next topic? All right, so the Max is flying. Um, all right, well, let's go to London and see what um, British Airways is is up to. <laughs> so, so the the um, uh, it took a virus that killed people for the airline industry to correct itself, huh? Because um, they're, cha- I mean, so many things have changed just because of COVID nineteen. Yes. Um, yes. And uh, and the the thing is, that, I mean, when we talk about food on board, that's one of the things that people have always complained about. The airline food is terrible. So, what is British Airways doing with the with their new menus? So this the BA um, again, this is from the BA Media Center on the website. Yeah. They made it sound a little grand. Uh, which is typical of marketing hyperbole. Yeah. This is really something the U.S. carriers have done for years. But what they did is that they teamed up with a Michelin-starred chef called Tom Kerridge, a British guy, yeah. as part of its the airline's 2021 focus on Euro Traveler. Now, this is the cabin on a short to medium haul within Europe, in economy. So what they've done is they've established this new Speedbird Cafe. And um, most people, well, at least the younger set, probably won't know what Speedbird is, but it was that logo, the the gold logo on the BOAC aircraft. Yeah, and And it's a a call sign for British Airways, Speedbird. Is that right? Oh, yes, uh-huh. I should know that. I uh-huh. should know that. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the, the insignia is that uh, arrow-looking thing. Right, right. So that was a classic. <clears throat> uh, but anyway, this is a new pre-order menu uh, for short-haul Europe, called, so-called Euro Traveler in BA lingo. Um, it will continue to offer, as they say, complimentary refreshments, which include... Um, water and or breakfast bars and or crisps, which are potato chips. But now um, you, with the Speedbird Cafe, you can pre-order um, menu items, but you must pre-purchase your meal uh, before flying to receive your first choice. And um, you have to 
pre-order, I believe 12 hours before uh, your flight departure. And this was part of an announcement by BA that they have finished their Wi-Fi installation across all their um, Airbus narrow bodies, which hmm. is apparently a big deal. But, and they've also said that uh, given that a lot of BA's flights are international outside the UK and short haul, uh, you are, have the ability now to pre-order duty-free items directly to your seat. Um, so they use this as an, um, a reason to save weight as well. Okay. So they you don't, don't normally carry, which makes a perfect sense. Yeah, you don't have to go down the aisle you, and less interaction right. with people. That's the weight of all that merchandise. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you can get your uh, food, your drink, and your in-flight retail items up to 12 hours before the departure of the flight. And some items um, I noted down, and these are very British, like the warm uh, steak and ale pie, the ham hock and smoked cheddar sandwich, um, spiced ca uh, cauliflower tortilla wrap, uh, which is a vegan entree. Mm -hmm. uh, they've got all sorts of brioche sandwiches. Uh, then they have the plowman sandwich, which again, I think is British, but it's like crusty bread served with cheese and uh, chutneys, uh, which is sort of a condiment. Um, and the next move will be Club Europe, which is the, the business class uh, short haul menu. And uh, then all the long haul flights will be revamped as well from um, uh, late January this year. And for those who care, um, they have this agreement with a Scottish brewery called Brew Dog. And uh, oh, they're good. Gotten, are they good? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, they've developed this new uh, IPA, which I learned stands for India Pale Ale. That's correct. For those of you beer aficionados. <laughs> um, so that's new, the name for the new uh, Pale Ale, in addition to their limited edition Speedbird 100 that they apparently has received rave reviews from BA customers. So, so what's the name of the IPA, the new IPA, Speedbird 100? No, that's the original one okay. that they currently have on board that has proven so popular that this uh, Scottish brewery called Brewdog mm -hmm. has, called, has brought out this Brewdog IPA, which is a new uh, offering on BA flights. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, Brewdog is um, there in Edinburgh. And, okay. Um, yeah, they're they're they have really good beer, and um, it's like in a really strong percentage of alcohol. Yes, it. they said so. Uh, yes, <laughs> but they're actually that's quite typically good. European, though, right? Um, stronger than the the American beers in terms of the alcohol content. Yeah, yeah, but Brewdog is you know they're they're known. Uh, I, th I think you can actually get Brewdog here in the U.S. I'm trying to think yeah? if you can. Okay. I think so. I could be incorrect, but I but think... As so. I said, yeah, this makes it sound very grand, but the U.S. airlines, at least the major ones, have been doing this buy on board yeah. scheme with equally good menu items, I think. So, so the pre-order so, stuff, uh, when uh -huh. you pre-order... Um... And they use it as a reason to cut down on waste as well. Yeah. You have to pre-order. All right. 
Well, that's good. And, you know, an interesting thing is that some of these things that they've been doing, um, huh. they've been working on them for a while and they just like move them forward. Yeah. So, uh, and the US Airlines is saying, because I've gone to some of the websites and I'm like, oh, wow, you guys have finally fixed that thing that was on the books forever. So they've moved a lot of things that, um, uh, so that's good. All right, good deal. So, um, COVID paving the way again. Yeah. Um, oh, so more BOAC news, uh, British Airways news. Um, they're trying to capitalize on its BOAC heritage? Yes. What so are they doing? This is news. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess this is a way to raise money. I mean, not a lot of, lot of money, but to um, raise their, how should I put this, exclusivity index, if you will. Yeah. So they have partnered with this luggage brand called Globetrotter. And they've done it since the 60s, where this company produced luggage for BOAC flight crew, again, starting in the 60s. And they've also taken advantage of um, a way to merchandise even further the retirement of the 747. Uh, What they've they've done is they've, Globetrotter has collaborated with British Airways to market um, an exclusive 150 suitcases um, for sale that capitalizes on British Airways' heritage with BOAC and the last 747. Oh, okay. So it's made out of fiberboard. It sort of has a very retro look with a very glossy white finish. Um, and it has a hand-painted Speedbird logo on the outside and a piece of a, B, a BA-747 on the inside. So that's yeah. a little cute touch. But uh, one of the first things I thought of is that now with that metal piece in the bag, it's going to trigger uh, security alarms. Hmm. So, but they've still... that adds to the appeal that this little bit of metal in my suitcase came from an actual BA-747. The lining has um, a silhouette of a profile, actually, of a 747. But uh, the items, as I said, there are only about 150 of them to be sold. They're only available at Globetrotter's flagship uh, retail stores, which are in Piccadilly in London. Okay. And at the Ginza in Tokyo. And they begin at 1900 pounds, which is about US dollars uh, 2600. So, That's just to drum up a little bit of interest, uh, they're auctioning two of these on this site called bit underscore in, bid, sorry, underscore in. Um, and the bid start at 2000 pounds. Which is about two thousand seven hundred US dollars. These were in case you care bags, right? Yes, these two bags that are being auctioned off were on the last ever uh, British Airways seven four seven flights flight on December eleventh, flying from Cardiff to uh, Saint Athens, which this is the one um, with in the BOAC logo. And it was, these two pieces were signed by the flight captain. Uh, Okay. So you have to have a lot of money to uh, buy these suitcases, but I'm betting that they will sell out. They'll be sold out in no time. 
So I was trying to see if they're already on here, but they're not. And these have been released to celebrate the spirit of the jumbo jet age. Again, I do not like this marketing hype, but there you have it. Well, you have to do it, right? Um, I mean, but do people buy it though? Still, yes, do they, they do. or do they roll their eyes? No, they buy that stuff. Dude. No, the, the nomenclature. Buy the items for sure. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah. The mar- the marketing works, um, and so, so yeah, and and yeah, it, it, it it's good that they're doing that at least to get. And these are handmade, by the way. I thought yeah. machine made would be more durable, but apparently not. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. So, um, all right, good deal, BA. Yeah, uh, salute them for yeah, trying to bring out that. every bit of seven for seven nostalgia. Well, you have to. They're just going to be parked doing nothing, <laughs> so you might as well. <laughs> well, speaking of luggage, um, uh, the next story is so. Um, one of the problems that people have when they travel is that when you go, when you when you leave the U.S. and you have your big carry-on that fits in the overhead and you're fine, or you might have snuck it on because it's too big, and, and you know you know how people they put stuff in their carry-on and then when they zip it up. The, the, the little extended zipper thing is like, it's like, yay big <laughs> about the thing and now it can't fit. And so you get to Europe and then you have to check it. Uh, you know, or th- this is how you tell the Americans when they get on these plates. So um, <laughs> the, the European airlines have really tiny allowances, you know, like seven kilos. Like what the heck can you carry in seven kilos? And so uh, EasyJet is engine that? Like, how yes. is it smaller than what you already allowed? So they, they're going to get flack for this. You know it. Oh, absolutely. It's if they haven't already. Yeah. But they say that they are now in line with um, Ryanair and Wizz Air of Hungary. But, and their claim is <laughs> that they are doing this, of course, to improve the boarding process and punctuality. So what they've done essentially is that for most passengers who pay the standard fare, you could take one carry-on piece of luggage that has a certain dimension that would fit in the overhead lockers and another piece that had to fit under the seat. And they were the Uh, most lenient. Oh, they were? Yes, they were the most lenient, yes. Okay. (laughs) Well, they've cracked down and said now a standard fare passenger is only eligible to bring on board uh, a piece of luggage that can fit under the seat ahead of them. And the charges to um, bring an additional piece of carry-on luggage range from about eight pounds, which is about $11, to about 24 pounds, which is about $33. But this also gives you the option to get a seat in front or at the back of the aircraft with extra room. And, uh, but this rule is, as I said, only available to uh, passengers who pay standard fares and is not applicable for flexi flyers who add on all sorts of other charges, get some sort of flexibility in their bookings. And also for uh, the EasyJet frequent flyer program. First of all, I didn't know that EasyJet had one, but clearly they do. So they are still allowed one small um, piece of luggage that has to fit under the seat and one larger piece of hand baggage. So 
this was supposed to start on February. It is supposed to start on February 10th. And for passengers who have already booked uh, flights post February 10th, they will be given the option to uh, check the bags in for free. Now, BA in comparison um, allows one large and one small piece of carry-on right. luggage. Right. Makes sense. EasyJet is flying at about 20% of their winter capacity. And uh, just as a point of reference, they've cut their staff by about 30%. Yeah, so they're just trying so, to make some money. Yeah, but again, you get what you pay for when you fly these carriers. Yeah, but it won't stop people from flying. They'll just come. Of course not. They'll, they'll, they'll shout and scream about this, but yeah. in the end, they will. That's why Spirit makes money. They're terrible. Yep. So people say, can you know I haven't flown Spirit yet? Okay. Yeah. I'm but the only reason why I haven't flown them is because um, I'm afraid I have to check my backpack. And I'm like, it's just probably will. And it's a small backpack. I'm like, I don't need to check my backpack on a on a on a on a. Um, yeah, I saw I sound like a regular flight. It's a small backpack. <laughs> uh, so, although I did talk to a spirit agent, and she goes, "No, I mean, if you if you have a if you have a backpack, it's fine." Uh, but you know, my luck, I'm just going to get an agent. That, yep, that's uh, <laughs> trying to clamp down. So, and I don't want to argue with those agents. So when I fly right so, here. I, oh. pay, I pay to check my backpack okay. because uh, I know they're going to give me a hard time and I just don't have the patience to, uh, well, I shouldn't say the patience. I don't have the energy to argue with the, an agent for no reason because it's not their fault. They're just enforcing whatever the rules mm. are. Uh, yeah. uh, EJ, no feather, EJ, no feather in your cap here. Um, all right. Um, coming across the Atlantic, so there's an airline called Norwegian <laughs> um, and they've been flying across the Atlantic and intra-Europe. Um, they have really good fares. And Asia. And Asia, that's right. They have really good. Asia. And they've been accused of all kinds of stuff with Asia because they hire a Thai flight attendants and they pay them less than flight attendants in, in Europe and all that. But they've been having issues because no one's flying across the Atlantic now. And Kusha's going to tell us what are they doing to quote-unquote fix this. So as you mentioned, um, Norwegian sort of, I would say, revolutionized uh, long-haul, low-cost travel. Yes. Fairly recently, this is post-People Express and Laker Skytrain in the, what was it, 50s, 70s, 80s? Mm -hmm. But uh, they are have been in as they call it, deep financial straits for a while now, even before this pandemic. Yeah. Well, they finally bit the proverbial bullet and they ditched their entire long haul schedule, which is 37787-8 and-9 aircraft. And they are now going to focus only on 737 aircraft, short and medium haul. Uh, they currently have 132 um, aircraft in service. Right. But the board of directors has specified that for 2021, they should be limited to 50 737s. And that number rises to 70 by year end 2022. Uh, so what are the markets? Sorry? What are they doing at the maxes? Uh, they've got them. Uh, they're not getting rid of them, as far as I know. Okay. But they haven't really announced when their um, 
starting because it all depends on EASA, right? EASA. But that's also a part of their international fleet. That is correct. Yeah, that they fly. Correct. They fly those to Stuart. That's correct. Okay. Um, and um, um, so, what they're going to focus on is that they're essentially going back to the future, because they started as a domestic Norwegian airline, and they're going back to that. But they, so they're going to focus on domestic Norway, the Nordic countries, also strategic European destinations, whatever that means. But I can bet London, Paris, and Frankfurt, among others, will be included. Yeah. So initially I thought this is not good for Boeing because it's going to put these aircraft on the market when already the 787 really isn't selling. But um, these aircraft are probably going to be returned to their lessers. Right. And I doubt they will have too much trouble placing them with other carriers because this yeah. is a highly desirable aircraft. Yeah, somebody will take Patient it. And there is quiet. quite a line for them. Yes. So, but one thing I do want to point out is that if this affects um, crew and staff based in London, in Paris, in Barcelona, in Italy, and also the US. Mm-hmm. And in London alone, um, they're going to retrench 1,100 cabin crew, which is significant. Yeah, that's a lot of people. So they've actually got the Airbus 321 LR on order, but that has been pushed back from 2019 to 2020, and then again pushed back to 2021. So this is also going to get pushed back even further if they ever take delivery at all. So I guess once the economy and the situation rebounds, this might be a suitable aircraft to fly across the Atlantic. But they're looking to raise about 550 million US dollars. And uh, Norwegian says they've received concrete interest in um, participation in this private placement. So, yeah, Um, that's a big deal for the US at least. Well, yeah, I mean, and they have people here in the US. Yes, uh, I know they yes. have a and Stewart Airport, right? Yeah, they have was... a marketing guy that works in the U.S. Um, I, I'm not sure where he's based. But, okay, um, I don't know what I don't know if he's out of a job now because he was the PR and marketing guy for them. Okay, um, and yeah, so yeah, they're very big in Stewart. So oh, they were. Yeah, they were. Yeah, uh, which is a, a major blow to the Stewart airport and absolutely it is that community that supported them and yep. they had that bus that came from new york yeah uh up to the airport not anymore so, so, so the whole idea behind that was interesting is because they didn't fly into um the new york airport they created a, a bus service i think it was like 20 dollars or something um that would hmm. take you nonstop from Stewart airport to um to port authority bus terminal and uh, so basically, people were always so tired because they'd come over and they'd shop in the U.S. in the weekend. And then uh, they would just sleep on that bus back to the airport because they were so tired. Doesn't Ryanair and, do the same thing, though, when they fly to um, they, they big cities in Europe and they don't use the main airports? Yeah, they do something for like, like Beauvais, I think, is done like that. Beauvais is the other airport. And I know Venice France. also. Like yeah, it's a, it's a tri- triste. Is that where it is? I think. Trieste. Trieste. 
Yeah. Um, I think that's the way to pronounce it. Yeah. Now, the, the reason why, um, now the other airlines are like doing a dance and they're doing cartwheels and all that now because Norwegian drove all the prices down. What would happen? Yep. Is, I mean, I actually flew on British Airways and I think I paid, it might have been like $99 or some ridiculous price like that for Newark to, um, to, to Heathrow. Um, because what, no, what, no, what, what the airlines would do, because they didn't want to lose market share, they would yeah. price at the times that Norwegian flew into their, into their, yeah. their routes, they would give you a price that was matching fair to the, to the Norwegian price. And That's so, been standard for years. Though, yeah. Right? And so if you could find those fares, because there's not many of them, yeah. Yeah. They, they sell out pretty quickly. And if you could find those fares, then you would be really, really good. And I found one on British Airways. Um, but that's not there anymore. So all, so, those, all these transatlantic fares are just going to be so much higher now. Uh, especially yeah. I'm still amazed domestic Norway can sustain, what, three and a half airlines? If you include Widerow as uh, well, well, you know, one of them is going to go. <laughs> so we don't know which one but they're all fierce competitors yeah. right oh yeah actually four oh, yeah. and a half because yeah. now you have SAS you have Norwegian yeah. you have Wiz and you have Ryanair but what was the new one that you were talking that's about that's right five flyer yeah, yeah. Flyer. flyer but that's hasn't started yet yeah five in domestic Norway which yes is a big country but they don't have that much of a Right, exactly. So I don't population to sustain all these airlines. I don't think. I don't, I don't think either. But who knows? Well, you know, they have a lot of money, so they fly a lot. <laughs> oil, oil does that for you, doesn't it? Yeah, but look at the price of oil. Uh, yeah, but that's temporary for sure. We're still dependent yeah. on oil, right? Yep. Um, so, so yeah, so that's kind of the the thing. And um, I missed flying their seven eight seven, uh, the seven thirty seven max by like, I think. I remember you tried to get on, and then they some switched the aircraft or something yeah, like that. It was like a day or two later or something okay. like that. So I I missed it. I didn't get I didn't get to fly, but I did fly to Cork. And the cool thing about flying to Cork was you can just take a bus to wherever you want to go. So you'd pay like, you know, I think the fare was $90, $95 to cross the Atlantic from Stewart to Cork. And then once I got to Cork, I just took a bus into Dublin. It was easy. Um, but yeah, although the, the leg room on that airplane was terrible. Um, hey, you get what you pay for. I do. But though, on the seven, 787s, awesome. I flew it from Fort Lauderdale into Gatwick. Good service, um, and I think I also flew it into JFK. And you'd pay for um, you you can book you can book your meals on the screen and stuff like mm, that. Okay, yeah. Um, so it was it was it was good. I mean, they really do a good job uh, on those on those flights. But they're gone. Um, Are you keeping track of time, by the way? Uh, no. <laughs> I figured we would just do all the airline ones and then um we'll, okay yeah so what's the next topic um the next topic is um da, 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 da. 
British Airways, British Airways, uh, Norwegian, Qatar. So um, Qatar plans a future with only five A380s. Really? So uh, this was announced January 14th, and again on CNN Travel. So this yeah. is well established. This was a very weird story. I don't know I how know. this can, can be sustained, but they have 10 380s, Qatar Airways, that are yeah. currently grounded. Well, on the 14th at uh, the Kappa Live conference, um, um, Akbar Al-Bakar, who is the CEO of, uh, the very outspoken CEO of Qatar Airways, announced that um, due to environmental reasons and concerns, the airline was going to, uh, in the future, operate with only half the 380s it had. Yeah. So in, in essence, that boils down to five aircraft. Now, I don't know how this can be sustained in terms of a cost basis, because it's just not, doesn't make any sense to have a fleet of only five aircraft, especially one that's as expensive as 380. But as I said, he specified that it was the worst aircraft when it comes to emissions that is currently flying. Um, just as a point of reference, Airbus estimated about 600 deliveries, but ended up with barely 235. Um, he did, however, this Al Bakr CEO, who right. most people know is extremely outspoken. Very. Um, he expressed support for the 787 and the Airbus 350 in particular the 350-1000, which he said has exceeded Qatar's expectations. But um, I just thought it was interesting that he would suddenly, um, or maybe not so suddenly, turn against the hapless 380. Hmm. So more evidence that this pandemic is going to slowly but surely eliminate this aircraft from commercial yeah. service. How many do they have now? Ten. Ah, okay. So, um, I mean, I can see them needing it for London, maybe yeah. Paris, maybe Frankfurt, but. Um, well, I mean, you know, people aren't flying, so people aren't right. flying. You don't need a bigger. You don't need a. Right, but they will start event. flying again, right? They will. They will, um, because you know we got we got the vaccine going. If people will take it. And um, and if we can get enough, yeah. But but then the 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 issue with these uh, we're talking about planes and stuff is um, yeah the whole getting enough is kind of weird. But that's uh, a whole other story. You know, another thing for the three eighty um, and I guess even the triple seven is that the Q suite in yeah. the front. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they can do that with the real estate that they have on a 380. Can you do, because it's too small um, uh, to put two side by side and too large, sorry, too large to put two side by side and too small to do one in the middle. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm just guessing. Yeah, Given I, that the 380 is wider. Yeah, I know they have some issues with the, but I don't think that issues on the A380. I think the issues might've been on the, um, on the smaller plane. I think that issued a 787s. 787s uh, about the same width as a 350, right? Um, no, but the seats, they had something to do with the seats. Like they couldn't have the four in the okay. middle, um, which I think they okay. had on the 
on. I, I, I'm not certain, but I know they had some issues with that. Okay. Um, because the four and the triple seven, they can do the four easily. Hmm. Um, but I think on the seven, eight, seven, because it was a little narrower, they couldn't do okay. some of the stuff that they wanted to. Maybe some of you guys oh. can, um, can, can clarify that uh, hmm. for us. Um, well, I mean, at least they didn't completely get rid of them, but they yeah, I know. have to um, uh, eventually, right? Um, okay, hold on one sec. Let's see. Um, the next topic we have is, oh, it's more about Qatar. <laughs> so, um, it, Aviation and politics uh, is very intertwined. And, um, and just like how we have issues here in the US, you also have issues around the world and the Middle East have their own issues. And for a while, um, Qatar had issues with the surrounding country and their flight path. And if you've been, yeah, if you've been watching um, airplanes when they fly out of Qatar, they take a slight detour and Kusha is gonna tell us why they used to do that and what's happening. <laughs> so this started about three and a half years ago. Yeah. When um, really four countries, Saudi Arabia, uh, the UAE, Bahrain, and Egypt um, took exception with Qatar's supposed reputation of funding um, Islamic radicals in the region. Yeah. And uh, they, Essentially, well, they actually did issue a blockade against the country in an attempt to get them to change their behavior. This lasted, um, as I said, about three and a half years ago, three and a half years, and it added significantly to Qatar Airways um, flight times and therefore fuel costs. Because, for instance, going into um, Africa, which is south, they would simply overfly Saudi Arabia. But now Saudi Arabia banned, um, issued essentially this blockade on Qatar Airways aircraft. So they had to fly east over the Gulf, then fly south over Oman, then avoid Yemen, and then fly over the Gulf of Aden. And typically, for instance, on a flight to Addis Ababa in Ethiopia, which should have been a straight shot, right. it would add about an hour of travel. So now with this peace treaty signed between these countries, um, everything's back to normal. And uh, their flights now, especially to Africa, are going to be considerably short. Uh, one of the first flights to take advantage of overflight rights over Saudi Arabia was the flight to Johannesburg. Um, and again, that saved well over an hour. And then the next one was the flight to Addis Ababa in Ethiopia. So, um, yeah, both of them flown with Airbus 350. So that should put some money back in Qatar's pocket because every yes. time I go to uh, Berlin, um, Al, Al Baker, the CEO of Qatar, huh. he was always um, talking about it and talking about how much money yeah. they're losing and how they should stop it and all that. So, um, this feud has been well publicized, so this was a fairly yes. um, well distributed news item. Yeah. So, um, 
Interesting. So aviation is, you know, the, the politics of aviation is quite interesting. Um, all right. So the other piece is, um, <laughs> um, airline employees are interesting. I mean, PassRider.com is devoted to airline employees. And so uh, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, Singapore Airlines have devised a way to keep track of its crews when overseas. I think what one thing people have to remember is that when you, when you work for an airline as flight crew and they send you somewhere, they're responsible for you until you get back home. Um, but, you know, as in the past, some weird things have happened and Singapore Airlines wants to clamp down on it. So what are they doing? Yeah. So this was in the Straits Times, which is a <laughs> Singapore newspaper. And um, they, well, long story short, uh, Singapore Airlines has now mandated that flight crew staying overseas on a layover will have to wear tracking devices to make sure they adhere to um, COVID restriction rules. Can you imagine uh, you have to do that? I mean, like, you, you shouldn't you shouldn't have to do this, right? Well, if you don't obey the rules, and this actually stemmed, or at least I was partly responsible based on an incident in Sydney, where a LATAM crew were um, specifically instructed to stay in their rooms during the layover, right. all 11 of them or however many. Yeah. They deliberately violated that rule and went out to um, a hotel, whatever or actually neighboring um, locations. And, There's no uh, need for that, Krisha. It's like we're, yes, in a pan- we're, we're in a pandemic, so good Lord. Yeah. So Singapore, uh, which is a strict country at the best of times, mandated this law. Um, so this these tracking devices, no surprise, allows them to track the location of the crew. They have to stay in their rooms and they cannot um, physically associate with any of their other crew members during their layover. Essentially, they have to remain in their hotel rooms during the time uh, that they are overseas, out of Singapore. It's yeah. part of several processes that Singapore has, Singapore Airlines has specified to minimize the risk of uh, COVID infection among crews. And as you say, uh, these, these crew members are the responsibility of the airline when they are overseas. They are. Uh, They haven't estimated how many crews are affected or however many flights are really impacted. But um, once you show up for a flight, you have to complete a health declaration form, have your temperature taken. Then during the flight crew briefing, you have to maintain physical distancing um, and also in your commute from and to airport terminals. <laughs> On board, you have to wear goggles and gloves when you're interacting with passengers. And on certain flights like London and South Africa, Johannesburg, which has these um, COVID variants, these mutations, you have to wear gowns as well. You're not allowed to congregate in the galley of the aircraft onboard you have staggered meal times 
um, and you have to go home immediately after returning from a flight. This is in Singapore. And are you quarantined after the Yes, you have to self-isolate after the service um, until you get three negative COVID tests. One is on arrival, second one is on the third day after arrival, and the final one is on the seventh day after arrival. Gotcha. So leave it to Singapore to be this comprehensive. I wonder how they're what? paying them though. How they're what? How they're paying them. Because I think with flight attendants, you only get paid when you fly, right? And but you so- get an allowance when you're on the ground, right? A per diem, don't you? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure you do. Well, if you're on duty. If you're on duty, right? right. And you are on duty, yeah. right? Well, but, yeah, but, but normally when you come back home, you're done. You're, you're done. Oh, until... I see what you're saying. Yes, you're right. Yeah. You're right. And so right. now, if they're going to keep, if they're going to monitor, you know, you have to keep, you have to do a test again. They're going to monitor you again, because you know, flight attendants don't get paid a lot. So a lot of them have yeah um, other jobs. That's right. Yeah. So when you come back home, you would go to whatever you have to do, and then you have to go back to work again. Yeah. So I don't know how they're. I guess doing you're that. out of luck. Yeah. So, or maybe they oh. continue to pay you the whole month. So you, you get paid differently now since since they need. But aren't you really paid for the, on a monthly basis and not on a per flight basis for a flight no, attendant? No, I think you get paid by flight because you always hear the flight attendant talk about it that when you when you okay. when, when you go, when you clock in or whatever they call it, huh. um, you get paid from the time the aircraft pushes back to the time it to the time it stops at the other end, and if you go to another okay. country, then you get uh, time away from base pay. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly how it works, but I think that's what it does. And again, if somebody knows exactly how flight attendants get yeah. stuff like that, um, but please let us know. I'm curious to know if any Western airline uh, will dare to do this. Um, it's COVID time. But the thing, the, th- the, th- the thing that bugs me about this, Kusher, is... It shouldn't be necessary. It shouldn't to be do necessary. this. Yeah, but it is because these are professionals. It's right? not like it's apparently not, like, not so much. It's not like we yanked you off the street or something and say, "Yep, do this." I mean, you've been trained. You know the risk, and it's um, very exclusive to be a Singapore yes. Airlines flight attendant. Um, and you know, I I, I guarantee it could show something. They probably realized that they were getting a lot of people uh, testing positive. And mm. um, and probably some of the crew, maybe the leads were saying, hey, people are partying. Um, and, you know, maybe somebody saw them partying someplace. I mean, this kind of stuff, you know, it just doesn't come out of the blue, right? Um, <laughs> but it shouldn't, we shouldn't have to go that way, right? It's the same thing we're talking about, um, you know, doing, like I saw someone say, oh, I can go to Mexico because Mexico doesn't require... Uh, uh, COVID-19 negative test to come in and I go okay well wouldn't you want to be tested anyway just to make sure you're not bringing yeah. something into somebody's country and now infecting others and now people are upset because the U.S. is checking temperature not checking temperature checking yeah. um, do, do negative COVID which I, I like the fact that they're doing that it is very expensive, though, outside of it the is country. outside of the U.S. That's it's about a yeah. hundred U.S. dollars or a hundred U.S. euros. Yeah, because someone, someone was telling me, like in the in the Bahamas, it's like two hundred and fifty dollars. 
Ouch. Yeah. That so bites. It does bite. And, you've, and that's per person. That's per person, right? So, um, so. It's, it's, it's expensive. And I think, I think what they're trying to do is to deter people from traveling. Um, yeah. Just because, tra- I mean, it's a fact. Traveling spreads the virus. Yeah. There's no question about that. Um, so. And so they're trying to, to stem it somehow. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, and we, and we know people traveling don't care about quarantine because that, that woman was flying to New York when she was complaining about the kid with the mask. She was flying to New York for the weekend from a state where it is not allowed for her to do that. And so it's, yeah, uh, yeah. that's the thing they were talking about people using cameras and filming stupid stuff that they're doing and it's like you're breaking the law why are you filming yourself breaking the law so um yeah it's interesting um how well that happened well um i'm pretty sure that the airlines that um uh i'm pretty sure the other airlines that can um will or at least come up with some other way to minimize uh, i wonder if they, they will show leniency if someone violates this you know and then goes out of their room i doubt it given i doubt it because if you because uh, yeah they're, they're very strict and, and and when you think about it kusha it's like they have the health of an entire airplane that's right right you're risking the I, entire operation. i salute singapore for doing this you know so we've cleaned the plane and then you went out last night and hung out with somebody with COVID. So you come back and you totally infected everybody without knowing it because you yep. don't know yet, right? It takes a little while. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. That's what yeah. I think I was talking about the other day that the, 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 the travel entities are trying their best to come up with ways so that we can restart travel. And every and time, people. every single time they do something, there was somebody complaining on the side or somebody who thought yeah. they're above mm-hmm. the rules and go. And then, and then they posted on social media about, oh, they didn't check me when I came back from, from Texas into New York. Although, um, you know, you should, you, you know, there's a, you, and I see a lot of airline employees doing it. I, and I see them online talking about it, uh, that when they're traveling, they're breaking the quarantine rules and they're saying, oh, nobody checked. I'm like, and? I just don't understand that. But and I- actually a few, maybe several weeks ago, there was a European airline, a flight attendant in Singapore, yeah, uh, who was warned about not leaving their room in Singapore. And they, I think, either unwittingly or knowingly went down to the... Uh, uh, hotel lobby and they I believe arrested him and held him and I'm not sure what happened to this person I know (laughs) I don't I don't understand why people would it it would be good to that the people who've broken the rules and caused this to happen you would like want to really want to sit down and ask so tell me what happened what was your thought process yeah and you knew well, you knew that this was, you knew that what you were doing would create a problem. You knew that you were for one of the strictest and essentially illegal. Industry. Yeah. And I, so I don't, 
I don't. Uh, is it just just you just wanted to get away with it? You think you could get away with it, right. and, and nobody would bother you? I guess you cannot even go and get ice, really, right? Yeah. I mean, if you want ice, you, you'd have to ask for whatever. But yeah, I mean, they they deliver stuff to your room, right? You can get mm. room service or whatever. Yep. It is. And, and I know it's. I mean, we're humans, right? So we're accustomed to. We we don't want to be. You know, cooped up in a hotel, isolated, room. everything. Yeah, yeah. no, I get that. Stuff. I get all that. But you've but... gotten the uh, you've gotten the ability to the airline. I've created a process so that you can stay employed because you stay fellow, safe and stay safe. Right, your fellow employees are late. No. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't understand it. Uh, maybe I'm just but... weird. <laughs> I don't know. So, so uh, is that it for this episode? Yes, that's it for this episode um, because it's yeah that's about what we have. Um, the next the next topics we have would take another hour. <laughs> so, all right, everyone. So, um, if you're listening to this episode, and uh, we had one question about airline uh, flight attendants, right? We wanted to figure how does flight how do flight attendants get paid? Do they get paid? Is it the block time? Um, which was trying to figure out how the Singapore thing is going to work. So if you know how that works. And what was the other one? There's another one. Right? Question we have. I think I um, no, I forget. All right, me too. Uh, but anyway, um, this has been another episode of What's Happening in Travel. As usual, uh, Kusha and I, uh, Kusha comes up with the cool topics and we talk about them. We strip them from the headlines pretty much. And then we, um, we make them our own. So uh, I'm here with my buddy, Ostro. and Akusha's getting much better at this now. <laughs> and and Kerwin, uh, wrapping up episode 62 of What's Happening in Travel. Talk to you guys soon.